Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the dead of night, gunfire blazes in a Connecticut office building, requiring the quiet help of a new agent. Join Tillman as he plays Kevin Wilson, a crime scene specialist whose job is about to take an unexpected turn, and Adam as the handler in this Delta Green duet. Under New Management is a Delta Green scenario created by Ross Payton. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. You spend about 10 minutes crafting a very professional-looking email. And you analyze it again and you say, yeah, this, this is very passable. This looks 100% official. And you go ahead and send it off and you, you see message sent and you think maybe that's it. You hope that's it. There's a lot of variables that could come into play. Maybe not everybody checks their email before work. Maybe they all do though. There's only 15 of them. It's not, and I mean, they're all temps anyways. So certain things are kind of running through your head right now. But you start to feel that sense of urgency again, as you can hear Graham pushing desks back and forth on the floor below you. Is there like a printer connected to this computer? You can see that they're all routed to a larger printer that's next to a what appears to be a reception desk where the secretary would, would take calls. So uh, Kevin would try to like print the, the address information of the employees. So he can take it downstairs if they need it again. Perfect. You got it. Okay. So he, he just grabs that paper, uh, gives it a quick look, like folds it messily and stuffs it into his bag and then heads downstairs again, like taking multiple steps at a time down uh, down the stairway. And he like uh, yells out before he arrives, Graham, I, I informed all the employees via email that they shouldn't come. Police investigation. I also put tape on the door outside. so. I'm hoping it, it works. Excellent. Awesome. Oh, that's a relief. Then you see Graham, he kind of just takes a deep exhale and leans up against the wall. Not the wall that he's cleaning, obviously. He's sort of leaning against one of the desks, just taking a, a breath. Nice work, Wilson. Thank you. Hey, be, before we start here, maybe there's a coffee maker somewhere here. You look oh, awful. I could really use one. I could really use one. All right. Do you want to come with me, maybe? Yeah, let's go. I think I saw a break room down there. Okay, excellent. Graham leads you to the break room. He's walking a little bit more casually at this point. You get the sense that he's probably been here for enough hours that he's kind of disassociated himself with all the killing that's happened here. And you can still see these traces of what a grisly scene this office building has become. Okay, we'll, Graham. We'll get that when we go back. And he kind of just points at a very small splatter of blood on one of the white walls. Okay, Graham, I need to understand like what exactly happened. You came here for the two people from the other cell, and then things went haywire. But how many people were here, and what's up with these management folks that you need that coach and Maria needed to like hunt down? The people that were here. We're up to something awful. And the other team found out about it. They shit hit the fan. So we tried to come in and take care of it. And we 
obviously just made a bigger mess. He's shaking his head, staring at the ground. Graham, who am I helping right now? He looks at you and the facial expression he makes. It's almost like a, it's like he's trying to say with his facial expression. I wish I could tell you. There's not enough time. Look, I think maybe one more hour and this place will be done. And maybe under better circumstances, we can try to make sense of this whole thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Let's get to work then. Or I guess get coffee and then get to work. Do we like actually find a coffee maker? Yeah, you guys, you guys, (laughs) yeah, you guys find the, the break room and you take 10 minutes to just sit down at the table and have a coffee. We'll say that that whole conversation that you just had happened while you guys were sitting at one of the tables in this break room. And it's starting to sink in how just completely weird it is to be in an empty office building just with one other person. And you guys are talking to each other about something that's pretty hard to talk about. You're not really sure how to ask and he's not really sure how to answer. And there's almost a... Yeah, sorry. It like sinks in with Kevin, like the situation is completely fucked. Like uh, he understands that there's some sort of like super high grade police work going on that he's helping out. He he believes that for sure because everything checks out so far. And Graham seems like reasonable enough given the circumstances. So he accepts that he needs to power through with this and then maybe never find out because he's not qualified to find out. When I was a kid... My parents were part of a group. I always knew growing up that what was going on at home was not right. Okay. I guess you could say I was abused. Well, I was. They weren't, they pretended to be normal people and they had me pretend that everything that was going on was normal. And I didn't even realize until I was like a teenager that my situation was not normal at all. And I told my guidance counselor about it. I got put in the foster care system, all this stuff that was really shitty. But I don't know. I've always known because of my experience, I've always believed that people, people at their core are such monsters, Wilson. They really are. People like my parents, people like the managers of this office building, they use humans for power. They, It's like dark magic or something, but it's deeper than that. It's It's more real than that. You got to understand, Wilson. People hurt other people for power. I lived it. I don't think anybody should have to live it, Wilson. I really don't. I think the world is a better place when people like this are dead. Kevin, like, keeps polishing, like, the same spot over and over for a little. Uh, So you, like, grew up in, like, a cult. Yeah, I guess you could say I did. It's, I mean, even now, even after therapy, even after... Even after all this stuff, I just, it's hard for me to still, it's hard for me to view it that way. Yes, my parents were in a cult. I am a survivor of being part of a cult. And that was really hard for me. But it's not as uncommon as you think, Wilson. These types of things, they're, they exist. And the type of damage they do to people, man. Anyways, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to help you understand. And you see his eyes are watery. Like he might cry, but he doesn't. And he just begins working again. Yeah, I don't want to intrude. Like I barely know the guy still. And he's like opening up to me about something that's very, well, very hard for him. So I'm trying to like reassure him with, you know, just my presence and like listening, not 
not being an asshole, I guess, and not like cornering him with things. And for now, like Kevin has accepted the fact like, okay, yeah, we, we need to work this out here and then everything will sort of like hopefully uh, be arranged and maybe I can find out more then. So I take it they're like working on the ground floor and all the stains and bullet holes or what? He's still working on the on the ground floor. He appears to have made quite a bit of progress even in the short time that you've been upstairs. He's working fast and he's working very efficiently. And when you guys start to work on it again together, you get into that rhythm that you get in when you're working your day job or whatever time it is job. And you kind of lose yourself in the process. It only takes about another hour and you both step back and look pretty confident that you'd never be able to tell that anything happened in this place. Yeah, probably smells of like bleach, but... Other than that, yeah. Yeah, it's deep cleaned. Here comes the bad part. Hmm? Graham starts fishing around in his pocket of... He's wearing a similar kind of overall painter's uniform that he appears to have just like put on over his clothes during some point. And the way that he has it now is to where it's unzipped and the arm part of it is just tied around his waist. So it's just the, the pants part of it and the, the hair nets that are over his feet. And he I starts- probably like hooked him up with the, with the overall. I'm pretty sure like I had a spare or something. Yeah, you would definitely have spares of that 100%. And yeah, that's what happened. He just, he just put one on when he saw that you had them. He was definitely ill-prepared to, to do this. And you can tell that he's definitely not a professional. You have to kind of double check the things that he's done. And you even ask him, like, what have you worked on? And he tells you and you verify that this is going to be okay. You guys take the second sweep and he uncomfortably takes a key card out of the front pocket of this uniform. This is for the basement. Now, I don't want to go back in there, but we got to get the bodies out of there. I have these tarps. We're going to wrap them up really good so that we don't ruin this crime scene that we just spent hours cleaning. We're going to load it into the van that I have. I'm going to drive away. You can come with me or you can call coach. I don't know if you want to come with me to deal with what I'm going to do, but it's up to you. All right. All right. Are we we done here? Do we lock uh, the outside maybe? I have the key card for the front door, but... I don't want anyone like intruding while we're still in the basement. I mean, I told all the workers not to come, but can't be sure. Yeah, we should definitely keep that locked. We can't have anybody come in on us. Here, we'll take another loop to the to the front door, and let's try to get in the right headspace to go down there. And you can see he's clearly trying to psych himself up. When you even pass the basement, the area that leads to the basement, on your last loop to make sure that you've covered everything you haven't left anything uncleaned you see he doesn't even want to look at the basement uh kevin uh, like rummages through his like tools and uh, whatnot and he's looking for like a protective mask of sort to like uh, keep out chemical vapors and you know foul smells because sometimes you know they find someone who committed suicide and has been laying there for like two weeks or something like that Right, exactly. And I would even say that the type of masks that you have are a little bit better than just the uh, type that you would get at a doctor's office. They're oh, yeah. the painter's type that have the actual... The uh, 
weird fan breathing thing <laughs> with filters. Yeah, exactly. And when you guys both put them on and look at each other, it's a little bit spooky. Yeah, it probably changes our voice and muffles it too. But I, I like reassure um, Graham, you know, I was thinking maybe down there there's some weird vapors. Could that be it? She told me that things seemed off and that you didn't feel right. Maybe this helps, just maybe. Yeah, I guess it could be just a gas leak or something. We'll try to be quick down there, okay? Sure. Yeah, I'm here now. All right. So you and Graham stand at the entrance to this separate staircase that goes down into the basement. And you see that there's a key card reader over on the wall. You and Graham face each other now, and you are wearing the same things. Both have the same respiratory mask. Both have the same white coveralls. Graham says, okay, are you ready? His voice is muffled by the respirator. I give him like a thumbs up so he can't mistake it for anything. You see him do a mental one, two, three, and he slides the card over the reader. You see the green light flash and you hear a click and the heavy steel door pushes open as Graham leans into it. Without a moment's delay, he begins descending this short staircase, almost disappearing into the basement. Very dark down there. I still have my flashlight, right? So I turn it on and like try to keep it on like the stairs. In fact, I try to like hold it so that he sees things as well and not just me looking at his feet. And you can see him. It's very dark in this basement. And as your light shines over this weird area, you see these strange green and purple tints. They seem to be coming from the corners of the room. Graham walks over to the wall and he begins fumbling around and he he hits a switch that turns on an overhead light. It's still very dark in there as this light slowly flickers on, first with two flashes and darkness, and then finally kicking on and staying on. You feel this very jarring sensation as you begin to see these green and purple tints more clear. They're not coming from the overhead lights. They're pouring out of the corners of this room. But even stranger, your perception is off. Distances don't seem accurate. You go to take another step forward and you stub your toe. You look down and there's nothing there. You start to feel like you're in some kind of warp. And I need you to give me a sanity check. Okay, uh, how does sanity check work? So you're trying to roll under your sanity score, your sanity maximum. Okay, but I don't make it. I have 85 or 65. Give me 1d4 sanity loss. Of course, I'd roll the maximum four. Okay, so subtract that from your total sanity points. And one thing you want to keep in mind is right below that, there's breaking point. So when your sanity goes below your breaking point or hits your breaking point, you basically go insane. You're going to start to lose your shit. Right. Also keep in mind, that doesn't mean you're like permanently out of the picture or anything. It just means like something happens. Okay. So I turn and I'm, I'm trying to like look for Graham, but probably feels like weird. Graham starts to shuffle around, almost panicked. He starts to 
turn back and forth very sharply. He's definitely lost his sense of calm. The fuck is going on down here? His voice, what the fuck? His voice is muffled under the masks, and he's trying to still block his face, even though he's wearing the respirator. You can see down there, there's a server farm, and it's emitting all of this smoke. It's definitely been shot at least a few times. You see there's two bodies in the room, a man and a woman. Both of them look like scientists of some sort. They're wearing the white lab coats. There's a strange machine inside this parishion that you see next to the server. It's damaged and it's covered in blood and some kind of strange ichor, orange and purple in color. Graham turns to look at you and you see this expression of horror in his eyes. It's still very dark, but your light shines right on him and it's very clear to you, this terrified look. His eyes just completely wide. He's looking at you for some sort of reassurance, some sort of... Yeah, I think Kevin is like running towards him and he wants to reach out for like the one thing that makes sense in this room, like the guy that has been telling him what to do this whole time. He kind of needs to uh, be close to him right now, like at least hold him maybe. He feels like he is, um, he needs to like take a jump out of like an airplane maybe. And he needs like his buddy on his side to uh, make sure that he, that he can actually do it. You go to grab Graham by the arm or by the shoulder and it's like your hand just misses and you just grab through thin air and you realize that your perception is very much distorted, more so than you thought. And it gives you this sense of complete panic, this sense of having no control. If you were to immediately go to grab him again, you would find that your hand quickly makes contact with him and you are able to like, you are able to feel him and he's concrete, he's there. And it helps a little bit, but it was still very disturbing that you just reached and missed. Your eyes just lied to you. Yeah, so I imagine I'm standing next to him, but I'm like fidgeting around like I'm jerking my arm back and forth until like I finally reach like his and like I move my hand around till uh, I find his, try to grab it and then just look into his eyes. Uh, He probably uh, sees me being just as crazy as his. What the fuck, Graham? What do you need to do? Oh my fucking God. Let's just grab those two. Get the fuck out of here now. And this room is very foggy. It's not fog, though. It's smoke. And you can smell this just unnatural, horrible smell. And it seems like this room has this kind of energy that is making it hard to just focus on the matter at hand. Being in here creates such a feeling of panic and unease that it's hard for you to do what you came down here to do. And you realize that that is something that Graham realized. That is something that Graham was avoiding. That was something that he wasn't able to fully process. It's why he blacked out. It's why he didn't want to go down there again. This is too much for the human brain. This is something that's totally reality breaking. You feel like you're in this strange trip. These green and purple colors, fumes, gases that just emanate around the room. And they sting your nose as they 
drift past you and you feel this buzz in your head, like being drunk or like being in a dream. We can't grab them, Graham. I can't, I can't carry them. Come on, we gotta fucking try. And you see he's, he's lunging over towards one of these dead bodies, the male, who's slouched up against this shot up server farm, dead. And as he goes to grab it, you just feel the room start to shake. It's like the energy in this room is just getting more and more intense. And you start to hear this sound, this horrible, unnatural sound, a guttural gurgle. Graham starts to freak out. What the fuck? Oh my God, God damn it. And you just hear this, this this groaning sounds like a dying animal, but worse. I think in the moment the room starts to shake, Kevin is almost falling over, like walking backwards. Like when you have vertigo, like you got up too quick and everything starts shaking a little. So you hear this horrifying noise and you hear Graham struggling. You see that he's running forward towards the staircase. He was a little bit ahead of you, closer towards the back of this room, the server farm. And you just see he turns around and starts to try to run back towards you. His gun is drawn and he's just firing it at nothing. What the fuck? We got to get out of here. And you hear the gun discharged two, three more times. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Graham, come here. You guys managed to get out of the room and this sense of panic that you thought would maybe just stop once you crossed that doorway, it lingers with you for a moment and you just feel your ears ringing. You feel this sense of shock. You feel like you're going slightly deaf from the sounds of the gunfire. Graham is yelling and you can hardly make it out. It sounds so muffled. We have to go. We have to go now. We'll call Maria and coach. We'll tell them this didn't work. What the fuck? He's starting to take a cell phone out and you can just see this sweat just pouring down his face and head. There's something in that fucking basement. You heard that. I did. What the fuck, Graham? Why, why didn't you tell me? I didn't see it before. I, I didn't remember it. Why not? You feel the floor starting to shake a very slight bit under you as if like an elevator was moving or something. It's very subtle, but you just feel this sense of motion like you're on a boat or something almost. These distortions from the basement are beginning to creep in. You still feel strange. You still feel like you're stuck in a hallucination that won't fade away. You see Graham. He's making a phone call. Your ears are still ringing from the gunshots. You can hear Graham yelling. He's running back and forth, paying no mind to this area that you guys just cleaned. It seems like we're past that now. Maria, I need pickup now. Graham, I like try to interrupt him. It's coming. It's coming upstairs. Fuck, 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 fuck. Tell coach to get down here now, Maria, please. There's something here. And he just... He just hangs up the phone and he just walks quickly towards the the door of the basement to try to peek inside or to try to see how much distance he has. I like stop him. I don't want him to get close to that door. He's so panicked. He doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know where to run. He runs 
to the front of the building, the front door, and uh, tugging your arm with him. He goes to the front door and just immediately starts shaking it, trying to open open it without unlocking it first. You see the police tape on the other side. He just can't figure this out. I, I got the I, I got the key card. I fish for it in like my. Uh, I think I have it probably like in my pants, one of the pockets. I try to fish it out with my one free hand. The other one like grip locked by Graham. The door unlocks and you guys break out into the outside and you just feel the sensation of the cool air hit you and it's like a bucket of water being thrown on you. You feel yourself awaken. You both stop with your hands on your knees, breathing deeply. Graham motions for you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get as far away from here as we fucking can. You had a cow, right? It's in back. There's no time. I don't want to go around. What? Go without a car? Let's just run. Coach will be here soon. He'll pick us up on the way or something. We just have to put distance between us and that building. And like Kevin just just nods and like starts running. You guys run and this parking lot is kind of long. You start to get out of breath by the time you really hit the end of it. But when you do hit the end of it, you're starting to feel this relief. Like, okay, I made it. I'm, I'm out of harm's way. Like you're starting to feel out of harm's way. Things are kind of calming down. You guys are still jogging, panting, breathing heavily, totally out of breath, still wearing these painting uniforms as well, or forensics uniforms. You guys are walking down the street for about 15 minutes when Coach's car with Maria in the passenger seat pulls up next to you. You guys shove in, even though there's not enough spaces for the two extra people. But there's more important things at hand, so you make it work. Coach, that was there's something in that fucking basement. We have to burn it. Well, you know we can't burn it, Graham. Coach, you don't understand. Tell him, Kevin. Tell him, Kevin. What the fuck did you rope me into? We have to burn it, coach. All right, all right. And you see, this car is so loud and so chaotic. Just like that room, just like this night. It's early morning now, maybe 5.30. Coach was driving away pretty quickly, and he takes a hard U-turn back towards the building. I think at that point, like, Kevin starts crying. Keep it together, Wilson. Keep it together. Why can't we just go? Don't you understand? This isn't about us. This is never about us. It's about them. So we have to do this. Two minutes later, you... Coach, Maria, and Graham stand outside in this parking lot. The area around you is silent, no movement. You can still see the light inside on the first floor where the two of you had just exited. Coach turns back and looks at you. He holds a backpack over his shoulder, a canister of gasoline in one hand. I'm going in. I'm coming out 10 minutes. If I'm not out in 10 minutes, you drive away without me. Maria nods and Coach enters the building. He disappears from sight, and you begin to see smoke emerge from the windows. You hear an alarm go off for about two minutes, and then it stops. And you can start to feel this heat, and you can start to smell the smoke. And after minute six, Coach comes back out the front door. He's running. Let's go. Let's go. You can see behind him the smoke that comes out of the door as he exits. 
He's coughing. He's covered in soot and ash. Not too different from the way that he picked you up, though. Did it work? Let's hope so. Let's get the fuck out of here now. You drive for hours, no destination in mind, just trying to distance yourself from the place and the action that just happened. Kevin, maybe we'll stop somewhere and probably not in any kind of mood for breakfast, but I think we owe you a full explanation. Yeah, maybe. What was that? They all just look at each other and put their hands and shoulders up, giving that, I don't know. Okay. It's not for us to know, Kevin. It's not for us to know. It's... But it's evil. I get it. Okay. You guys stop at a diner and have some kind of breakfast. Coach, Maria, Graham explain to you how this isn't the first time they've even done something like this. Surely this is the worst thing that they've done so far. This is the, the worst way it's ever gone down. Coach wants to be very clear about that. He doesn't want to scare you away. But he also wants you to understand. Look, Kevin, you've shown a great deal of courage today. Coach is kind of giving you this almost military-style pep talk. I'd like you to work with us again in the future if you're up for it. I think you saw the importance of this of our group here. We're one of many, and we never have the full picture. But we do what we have to. You're going to be compensated for this. And I know that's not why you did it, but you deserve it. And I hope it makes some of this somehow better. Maria puts her hand out on the table and puts it over your hand. Kevin, thank you. Tim would be proud. He was right about you. Meanwhile, Graham looks completely broken. I think Kevin like reaches for his phone and he, he pulls up like some stupid badly taken pictures of his wife with their dogs. And it's got like a thumb on it because he held it in front of the camera or something. You know, they're just walking the dogs, the, the picture is crooked and the lighting is horrible and you can't really see his wife anyway. Half her head is cut off the edge of the picture. That was, I don't know, like two weeks ago. Everything was okay back then. Was everything just okay because you, you make sure? I'd like to think so. I really would like to think so, Kevin. I'm never sure, but that's what I want to believe. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can get behind that. And I think we're going to wrap the scenario there. If you enjoyed this game of Delta Green, make sure to check out our other Delta Green one-shots. We have several listed now and more to come soon.